And what I started to see was them pretending like they never needed to retire. I'll just pretend I'm not 66 years old or 64 or whatever the age is, and I'm just gonna keep on plotting away. But it gets harder to get up every morning, it gets harder to do the work, and I don't know about you, but as I get older, my tolerance for BS is lower. Do you often wonder whether there's more to life than your nine to five job? Do you dream about having a life that has no boundaries, where you can decide what to do and where to do it? And does the thought of how to get that life maybe overwhelm you just a little bit? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me as I uncover how to get that freedom and live a life that needs no retirement plan. I'll be scouring the internet and chatting with people from all walks of life who are out there living life to the max instead of punching a time card. I'm Jackie Doucette, and this is Beyond Retirement. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm really happy today to be joined by Jim Mulehausen. He's the author of Half Retire, Keep Your Business and Ditch, your, ditch the Stress. So I understand that this is a, a topic that's for business owners primarily. Um, Jim, can you talk a little bit about yourself? Uh, welcome first. <laughs> and can you talk a little bit about your, uh, yourself and how you got where you are today? Sure. So lifetime business owner, grew up with a family business, so I guess it was in my blood. But uh, eventually I started uh, some CEO roundtables 20 years ago. And through the process of, uh, I think it's 11,000 one-on-one coaching sessions and counting up to this point, started to see some patterns, right? And I've written three books. The Half Retired book is the, the, the third one. But here's what I started to see about 10 years ago, as, the, as in particular as the baby boomers age. What was happening was, let's just uh, take a hypothetical business. I've got a plumbing company. I've got 15 people. I make $350,000 a year. I've carved out a pretty nice life, but I'm kind of getting tired of it, right? The grind is getting to me. Right? And I don't turn a wrench anymore, not very often, but it's just a grind. I'm working, why do I have to work this hard? Why am I going in on Saturdays, all this stuff? And so I, I get fed up and I go to the business broker and I say, hey, I got this nice business. We've got a good reputation. I make $350,000 a year from this business. I'm sure you can sell this for a couple of million dollars and then I can retire. And then the business broker says, well, let's do a little evaluation. I don't know if that's the right number or not. Uh, let's do a little evaluation. And they come back and they say, you know, we think we can get you $950,000 for this. That's a little different. Then you start running, well, three times earnings, right? Fine, a million one. But you start taking broker fees, accountants, attorneys, Uncle Sam out of there. And you go, okay, I'm going to have um, $800,000 maybe when I'm done. So I make three fifty dollars a year or I can have a pile of cash of $850,000. Uh-uh. Uh, you, you better have a significant pile of assets somewhere else, which most business owners do not. Their big asset is their business. And then they get this terrible disappointment that it's not going to be enough to retire. And so then what do they do? And what I started to see was them pretending like they never needed to retire. I'll just pretend I'm not 66 years old or 64 or whatever the age is, and I'm just going to keep on plotting away. But it gets harder to get up every morning. It gets harder to do the work. And I don't know about you, but as I get older, my tolerance for BS is lower. Yep. Work that didn't used to bother me bothers the heck out of me now. Exactly. You'd rather (laughs) be anywhere else. Right. It, it, when, when I was 45 instead of 55, it never bothered me. Now, all of a sudden, it's the end of the world. And you know, I can't imagine what another 10 years is going to do. 
So I said, there's got to be a solution to this problem, right? That there was no good exit door for this particular business owner, okay? That they either had to keep on grinding away until they just couldn't take it anymore, and then they either just shut the doors, uh, took whatever somebody would give for it, a, a tragic ending, okay? Or they could find a way to fix this. And so what, what our solution is, what if you didn't have to do the work you didn't like to do? What if you could cut your hours radically? Our, our objective is two half days a week wow. as, as a half retiree. That's, that's the gold standard. You make the Hall of Fame if you, if you do that. And people have certainly exceeded that. But you get to define your half retirement. But we'd, we'd like to set the bar at two half days per week. Uh, doing the work you like, don't do the work you don't like, and keeping your current income level. Would you want to sell that business? Well, heck, no, they probably wouldn't if they can keep their income level and do you know, two days, two half days a week. Right. So if you've got the freedom, right? So now you get the freedom. You also get the freedom of the income stream because a million dollars in the bank is not freedom. No. Because you have to worry about what the return's going to be. Is the stock market a bubble? Is it going to go down? Is it going to go up? You're constantly worrying. You know, I saw my parents do it and they, you know, had what appeared to be plenty of money. And it turns out that if you're too conservative, it's not plenty of money. Yep. You know, it, it, uh, you, know it, you get it ground down, you know, bonds will grind you down in no time if you're not aggressive enough. But it's hard to get aggressive when you have no income. So you preserve that income stream. You've kept your annuity. You've kept your sanity. And this is what the goal of it is. We've got a six-step process that we use to make that happen. It's, it's work. It doesn't, uh, it's not an idea. You know, you can't go, yes, I want to half retire. I'm now not coming in Wednesdays and Thursdays anymore. <laughs> oh, you mean you got to do something. Jeez. I was all set to, to start doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Scratch that off the list. <laughs> show, up to work to, show up to work tomorrow. So do you, um, I imagine a few people kind of look at you, uh, you know, bewildered. How do you, how do you actually keep your whole, your job, keep your income, keep everything and not do the work you don't like? Well, okay, so let me tell you about the hairball, <laughs> okay? So we have this concept that we call your Picasso work, okay? You're probably doing your Picasso work right now, but there are certain things that you do. If you look at, let's just say a week or an average week of work that you do, there is some work that you do that is irreplaceable by someone else, right? You know, let's go back to the plumber. Maybe uh, he or she has connections with the zoning commission or something like that that have taken all those years to, uh, to develop, right? right? Well, the nurturing and leveraging of those relationships would be Picasso work, okay? Writing a quote, visiting a homeowner, that is not Picasso work. That's just the grind, right? okay? And yes, it may be valuable, and yes, it may produce income, but there's these certain things that are the highly valuable work that only the owner can add. That's why we need them there two half days a week because they're gonna add that Picasso work during that time. So, and so I always make the analogy, if you, if you think about selling a million dollar painting, uh, let's call it a Picasso, what needs to happen to make that painting worth a million dollars? Picasso touching the brush to the canvas, that's it. Selling it, stretching the canvas, mixing the paint, deciding what to paint, None of that has to be done by Picasso. It could be. But what we tend to do is, is we bundle. 
we bundle all this work together and, and put it on top of that Picasso work, and it ends up being this hairball that we can't figure out how to delegate. And you can't delegate the hairball, right? It just feels undelegable. We've all tried. It never works, right? No one else, and it's because when you try to delegate the whole hairball, it has that Picasso work in there that is by definition undelegable. Only you can do it. It's your magic. You can't delegate your special sauce. Right. And so whenever you try to delegate it, it never works because they're not you. It's not that they can't do a spreadsheet or a quote or whatever, they can do pieces. So we have this concept called fractional delegation. And what we're gonna do is use a, a five-step process uh, that we use the acronym FEVER for, and we're gonna break that down, untangle that hairball, get it down to your Picasso work, and that's how you're able to work two half days a week. Right, so it's basically you know fracturing everything, breaking it all down to the pieces so you can see who, what, what the, um, kind of least common denominator is what it is that, that you act absolutely have to do and take away all the rest. Yeah, I use an example in the, in the book and we go a little bit deeper in our, in our training program, but uh, had a client that was doing a task that appeared to be something that no one else could do. And it took years to learn how to kind of identify these certain components on site. And it was required and there really was no way to, you know, the, to not have someone that knew how to do it. And this client was the only one that knew because she had started the business. And so every Friday she would basically go out into the factory and spend the entire afternoon identifying stuff that no one knew what it was. <laughs> and so she, here she is losing 10% of her week. Okay. Doing this task that is undelegable because it's a hairball. Once we got into it, once we got into it and said, okay, what is the special genius, okay? It literally was holding this in your hand and saying, um, that's a part number one, two, three, four. That was it. But there was a whole bunch of other work that was attached to it. And so by the time that we were done fracturing that into pieces, she was able to do this work in five minutes, Wow! five minutes. And believe me, she had been trying for years to just delegate it or delegate this part of it. But I think that the way that human beings are wired to think about makes it impossible to do what fractional delegation is. It's, it's completely, it's not illogical. It's just very against the grain of the way that people are wired are wired to think. So you have to change your mindset. Right which is step two of our six-step process. In many ways, you have to think differently about your business. A half-retired business owner doesn't think the same way as a non-half-retired business owner. But you know, imagine if you, we started tackling things that we're all doing that are taking four, six, eight hours and get them down to minutes instead of hours. That's how you do it. So it's maybe a, it's a matter in your mindset shift. It's a matter then of sitting back and looking at what you're doing more objectively instead of as if I own the whole task, what is it that I really need to do? What part of it is, is actually mine? If you, if you can let go of it. Yeah. I think it usually requires some outside eyes. Yeah. In, in my opinion, yeah. it's really hard for, for me to see my own, for you to see your own is very difficult because it all feels undelicable at some point, right? You go, Hey, listen, that's not like delegation is a new concept. I've heard of it before. Uh, I get that I don't want to do this and I'd love it if somebody else did it. It's not like this is a holy cow, I never thought of that. But we've kind of given up on the work that we've accepted at this point. Right. And so getting to release that, right? Just the possibility 
that I could take something that's taken you every Friday afternoon and cut that down to five minutes, you feel like you're stupid or something. Well, why didn't I figure that out myself? And it's because it's, it's a methodology of thinking about it. And it usually just takes a fresh pair of eyes. So you say you, you've got uh, six steps in your process. Are you, uh, are you willing to share what the six steps are? Oh, sure. And obviously they're in the book yeah. uh, in, in detail, right? The, the book basically runs through them. So the first thing that we talk about is your magnet. Why would you want to have retire, right? I can't keep going at this pace. You know, I, I can't afford to retire, right? I, I can't take a million bucks for the business and expect to retire in style and have the stress that goes along with no income. So I either can't afford to retire. There's also a second group that's a little bit smaller than the financial aspect of has to retire that I will say is don't want to retire. A lot of baby boomers are like, I'm not going to lay in a hammock. I'm not going to play golf every day. Uh, you know, I'm going to get sick of travel. Uh, I need something meaningful to get me out of bed in the morning. Right. And, but I don't want to go at the pace I'm going at now. You know, somewhere between hammock and today. And, and that is a great situation for half retire. You know, if you want to take a month off and, you know, travel to Italy, go travel to Italy, go travel to Italy for a month because your business will run well without your daily required presence. You know, a lot of business owners kind of feel like their business is um, a house of cards, not quite that wobbly. Right. But if, if, if you're not there long enough, you start to feel like they're going to remove that card that's going to send that sucker toppling. Yep. And when you're half retired, you don't have that problem. It's going to it's going to run fine without you being a vital cog every day. Okay, so that's the that's the first step. Second step is your mindsets, and what we need to do typically is remap your mindsets. So, for instance, perfectionism is a big problem with business owners. Yep. And it's not even really perfectionist. So we talk about remapping perfectionism to pragmatism. So for instance, one saying that we have in this arena is, you can get things done the way you like them done, or you can half retire. <laughs> you ever heard a business owner say that? Oh, yep. I just like it done that way. Really, is that really, is it really worth not half retiring? Because what's, what's the part that they're not saying? I want it done this way, therefore I have to do it myself. Yep. <laughs> Right? It's never, oh, Bob does it for me exactly the way that I want it. No, that that wouldn't no. be what they were saying, right? But they'd be saying, Bob just takes care of this for me. Yeah. Not, I want it done the way that I want it done. So learning to be more pragmatic about things. You know, sometimes good enough is good enough. If you're operating on my knee, no, it is not good enough. Good enough is not good enough. But for lots of things, we hold this standard that, that is effectively over delivery and we're over delivering and we're paying for it with our calendar, right? So we're going to, we're going to re, we're going to discover the problem mindsets. We're going to remap them to have retire mindsets that are, that are much more favorable to getting you to those two half days a week. The third step is, is the beefy one. And we call this the Jenga test. Jenga. Uh, you ever played the, the game of Jenga out? with the wood blocks? Yeah. Yep. You ever played the game of Jenga where you're at the tower and you go to push this piece that you think is going to be nice and loose and then the tower about spins over on you? Yep. That piece is really stuck. Well, that piece is the business owner. You try to remove that piece, the whole tower is going to go boom. But if you play Jenga, you know that if you wait a couple of turns, a couple of other pieces come out, you go back to that piece and ta-da, yep. it's nice and loose and that piece can come out. 
That's what we're going to do. We're going to rearrange the way the business runs. We'll look at everything. We'll, we'll make sure that the business model suits half retirement. We'll look at the people. We'll look at uh, the processes. We'll look at the meeting structures. We create what we call a flash meeting structure. So you don't need to spend all your time in meetings. That's detrimental to half retirement. So we're going to challenge everything, rethink the way that the business is run, get that so that the business runs smoothly. Then what we're going to do is re-leverage assets in step four. Every business has hidden assets that are under leveraged. And we need to leverage those because we're taking an asset from the business called your time. You used to be there 50 hours a week. Now you're going to be there 10. I just lost 40 hours of pretty valuable work. How do we not have the income go down because of that? we re-leverage assets. So we've got a list of usually where that stuff is hiding, how to re-leverage it, we'll come at that. Next, we're gonna create what we call the autopilot. And that's where the flash reporting structure comes in. KPI dashboards, running the business in a clean and easy fashion that doesn't take a lot of your time. And then step six is just enjoying the spoils of half retirement. <laughs> you know, you've got a nice background of somewhere that we both yep. like to be right now. <laughs> staring out at a lake in an office park in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so that's, you know, enjoying the spoils. Think of all the hard work that everybody has put into their business. And I see way too many business owners not getting to enjoy as much of that as they should. That's true. And I think that's uh, that's the same whether you're a business owner or or a nine to five or doing the work for somebody else. You you spend all your time doing it and there's so much else out there. That's the whole the whole point of the show. There's more to life and you should be enjoying it. So how long does it take if someone comes to you and they've got their, you know, their business and they're all set to do this, the process obviously takes some time. It does. Um, I've seen it take a year, you know, for some of these things. Cause it, you know, I hate the, it depends answer, right? No one wants it. Yeah. Depends. Jim, it's going to be 47.2 minutes to get this done. It, it, it depends on what the business is. Yeah. So, so we've got people, I've got a woman that owns a, a therapy practice. It's a three-person business. Well, that's different than a client that has a 300-person construction firm. And not just because there's 300 people to leverage, you know, to, to help get this done at the construction firm. It's a different business model. It's a different way of doing business. The owner's preferences come into play, you know, how much they want to um, not we don't, we try not to use the word delegate because I think people use it as, as shorthand for abdication. You know, I'm not going to do it anymore is the same as delegation and that doesn't get you half retired. <laughs> that makes messes. So we try not to use it. We, we, we use the word offload, offload. not delegation because uh, people use it as a shortcut. Um, but you know, what you have to work with, right? What, what are, what are your income requirements? How much time do you want to put in? Uh, I've also seen people make miraculous progress in four or six weeks. Uh, had a woman out West who really just needed to do a lot of mindset work. That can happen quickly if you have mindset work. And uh, I, I think four or five weeks after starting the program, she took an entire month away from her business to spend with her grandkids at a lake 1500 miles away. I mean, she was really checked out for an entire month solid from a business that she couldn't step away from an afternoon. It's an amazing pile of work done on mindset in those four, four or five weeks. Right. So, you know, just, just the ability to do that, but a lot of it was just, you know, head trash. Yep. We all have it. So your, your book is called, uh, as I said in the, in the intro, half retiring versus no, 
ditch, keep your business and ditch the stress. Correct. Um, it's available, I guess, on, on Amazon and all, all the normal places, or do you sell it on your website? Yeah, the easiest way is probably just go to the website because you'll uh, you'll see a banner or something for the book and you can get some info on the book. But, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any bookstore is going to have the book. Uh, but there's some good resources on the web uh, that would be free. You can get on a free webinar if you want. There's a, a download of the blueprint to half retire the oh, steps nice. that okay. we're talking about with some detail on there. You can get that as a free download as well. Um, obviously a little bit more in a couple hundred page book than a, than a yes. digital download, but uh, uh, certainly a good place, good place to start. And obviously, you know, we have, uh, you know, coaches that can help people one-on-one -on -one, uh, within the program as well. Uh, some people do fine on an education program, understanding what they need to do and getting to do it. But we find that a lot of business owners uh, do well with a partner in the process. If for no other reason than to bounce ideas off of when you're, you know, when you're stuck at a step. Well, and just, uh, I call them positive traps. You know, some people, uh, business owners don't like accountability, <laughs> including me, right? That's, that's why we're business owners is I, I don't want to answer to somebody else. We're highly independent. So accountability is kind of a dirty word. And I think that realistically, one-on-one, -on -one, there's a real limit to how much you can hold someone accountable. I can remind you of stuff. Yep. But that's about it. Uh, the, the, the only trick I've ever seen a coach uh, use effectively to truly hold a client accountable and something they would not do is threaten to quit. <laughs> Which, so that's all you got. That's the only yep. tool in the bag is if you don't do this, we're just not going to work together on this. So you need to decide how important it is to do it. I never go there. That's just not a, an effective way to build a relationship no. with someone. But the positive trap of every couple of weeks, we're going to, go through these steps. We're going to talk about, you know, how you're doing. We're going to make adjustments along the way and having that sounding board. Okay. Just that rhythm creates a, a very positive trap to make sure that your half retirement is going to happen. So your website's called halfretire.com. Um, mm -hmm. And if people want to get in touch with you, is that the best place to go? Can they send you a message from there or is there somewhere else? Absolutely. There's, uh, you know, some contact us or something along those lines on the website. Um, how many, uh, rough number, how many companies have you helped in the last few years to do this? How long you've been doing it for a while? Yeah, we didn't call it half retire. So, you know, if, if I was helping somebody with it in you know 2003, uh, we didn't call it, we didn't call it half retire. I think I, I, I was trying to figure out when I came up with the idea, right? And I, I actually found a, a church uh, bulletin that I had doodled on, or they could half retire from 2012 when I uh, came up with the name, but, uh, you know, to write the book and get everything in place came after that point. So hundreds of companies, I mean, we've helped hundreds of companies do this. Uh, like I said, 11,000 one-to-ones. I've uh, spoke to 50 or 100,000 business owners over the years. Wow. So haven't, haven't worked with 50 or 100,000 business owners at a deep level, but believe me, those 11,000 one-to-ones, I know their kids' names and their dog and <laughs> you know what their favorite food is. <laughs> so you're um, not taking your own advice then because if you're helping all these people, you're working uh, more than a couple of half hour or half days a week. I'm a little young to half retire at this point, but uh, you know, I, I, I started in this awful young. I found myself in law school after our family business was kind of sold out from under me that I thought I was going to be working at. And so uh, what, what do you do when you don't want to be an accountant and you, <laughs> and you don't have a business to go to? You stall and you go to law school. And then uh, after a semester of law school, I said, there's no way I'm doing this. I'm just not wired to be an attorney. Uh, 
So I ended up uh, buying a franchise when I was in law school. I did finish. I did pass the bar. I've never made a dollar as a lawyer in my life uh, because I had a nice business. I had a nice business by the time I graduated from law school. I had expanded to, to multiple stores and, and then you know sold that business, started another one, typical entrepreneur stuff. Uh, but as I got into working with business owners more, you know, as, as a coach and, uh, and a professional sounding board, you know, everyone thinks that my stuff is specific to me. My stuff yeah. is unique. And it is at some level. But I would say every single business in the world is 80% the same. You've got vendors, you've got customers, and you've got employees. Yep. And that makes them a lot more similar different. than different. And if you focus on that 80 and not the 20, there's a lot of wisdom that people have already figured out so that you can, you know, uh, graduate from a school of hard knocks and not learn things the hard way. And so that became my passion is, you know, sharing these, uh, you know, hard, hard knocks, best practices with people that have, you know, come up with better ways to right. do things. And so, you know, I would say I'm just a bumblebee. <laughs> I just collect pollen from one flower and you maybe I'll modify it <laughs> a little bit and spread it to other flowers. That's quite a, a picture in my head now. That's <laughs> every time I hear your name or I hear half retire, that's what I'm going to think of, I think, is the, the bumblebee moving around. So before we uh, before we go, Jim, is there anything else you'd like to uh, tell people about your business or things that you've got on the go that uh, someone might be interested in? No, I think that this is really my, uh, you know, this is my passion right now. And I think that there's a big need for it as, uh, you know, people people age. I, uh, you know, we've got a 39-year-old in the program that has a great business. But what he's looking to do is to just enjoy a better work-life balance versus, you know, call, call it retirement. And so anyone that wants to to reduce the amount of stress hours in their business, we've got a system that can do that. I just think it's much more poignant when you're getting ready to go, okay, at some point I may not want to work at all, you know, or, or I, I don't, I can't keep this pace up, yeah. whatever, whatever it would be. I just had a client that had seven vertebrae fused together. And I assure you his attitude towards work changed when he had to have that operation because he was a maniac and you know i'm going to go forever and you know now it's hard for him to twist you know you know yeah. can't play golf anymore uh you know it's uh, yeah, he's still got changed, a nice yeah. business and he still is enjoying his life and his attitude is fantastic but you know things happen as we age and to have something like this as a as an option to go to so that you can enjoy your life before you get to that point where things have to change that's a that's a great idea. I think it's a great great option to have. Well, the other thing is if you if you get your business to the point where you are half retired, it's worth more. I, I think that the frustration that a lot of the business owners I've seen when they try to sell their business is they want to push a bunch of risk onto the buyer right. that no logical buyer will take. You know, I always tell uh, my clients that when you're looking to sell your business, you need to look at it from a position of risk assumption. Who's going to ensure that the clients stay? Hate to break it to you, seller, that's going to be you. You know, who's going to make sure that the thing doesn't fall apart when all your relationships go away or when, you know, they, they remove that cog called you? Is the business going to fall apart? That is a risk. The buyer doesn't want that risk, you know. So they're going to basically discount it, you know, in your price. And that's why these people get these disappointing numbers because there's just too much risk. Whereas if I go in and say, hey, I've got this nice business, I make a million dollars a year, whatever the number is, and um, I show up when I feel like it. You know, I do a little bit of work, but the thing runs without me. Yeah, you know, I add value, but I just do my Picasso work and that's it. And now the buyer's going, well, 
gee, this person works 10 hours a week, that has a lot less risk that someone that, you know, missed the first meeting because they were running late from an appointment. Yep. That doesn't instill it. But if you start thinking about all the risks that a buyer takes to buy a business, every single one of those is a discount right. in the price you, yep. you get, accept. Or the deal doesn't get done, which is more likely. Well, I'm yep. not going to guarantee the customers stay. <laughs> well, what, what, you expect the buyer to do that? Buyer's not going to do that. They're not stupid. But it's hard for the uh, the owner to do that too. The seller isn't going to be able to guarantee that the customers are going to stay unless they've done something like you're saying to to take themselves away so that relationship is there regardless. Right. Well, and you can do it with an earnout, but then people are like, oh, I don't want to do it with an earnout. And I'm like, listen, so here's what I tell all my customers. Someone's going to take that risk. The risk doesn't go away just because you wish it wasn't there. It's a seller wishes, or the buyer wishes it wasn't there too, but it is. And so all that risk is going to get assigned. Will the employees stay? Will the customers yeah. stay? Will the business run the same? Is the economy going to go bad? All these things are risks and they're all going to get distributed to one of the two of you. Okay. And you just go and I want to do this and I want you to take them all is a great way to never sell your business. Or to not get the money you want for it anyway. No, they'll just get yeah. disappointed, right? Oh, but I got to have yeah. X, right? I got to have X and I got to get rid of all this risk. It's like, that's not a arm's length negotiation, or at least not a good one, because a savvy buyer, at least one that has a couple million bucks to buy your business, isn't going to go, oh yeah, sure, I'll take all those risks for free, no problem. So Jim, you've definitely sold me on the idea that uh, half retirement is the way to go if you've got a business and you're looking for something a little bit less involved, less strenuous. Um, I think probably a lot of my listeners who are in the same boat will, uh, will be thinking about that as well. Like, thank you very much for coming and uh, and chatting with me. I'm really happy that you were here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great to be on the show and uh, certainly wish you continued success. Thank you very much. And that's our show for this week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm your host, Jackie Doucette. If you liked what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, review the show, and leave me a rating. It helps me move up in the ranks and reach more people. If you've got any questions or comments drop by my website, www.beyondretirement.ca, and leave me a short message. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next week.